Glenn opened her eyes in the dark, not awakening so much as emerging from a void. She didn't have to look at the clock to know it was 2.30. No matter what time she fell asleep, she always opened her eyes at 2.30. She didn't dream, had taught herself not to. Sleep was a blank, an enforced respite from thought and memory. An absence of awareness wasn't exactly restful, but her body required the recovery time in order for her to perform at peak efficiency, so she maintained a regular sleep schedule, even if the actual hours she slept were erratic. She turned on her side, 2.37. Outside the open window, the night was silent. If she listened very hard, she might hear some distant sound, a freight train chugging along the river, a coyote or two calling for the pack, a branch falling from the big pines that bordered the parking lot behind the empty store beneath her apartment. Not tonight, though. The night was as empty as her dreamless sleep had been. Her cell phone emitted a series of staccato beeps, the closest approximation she'd been able to get to her field radio, the familiarity and odd comfort. She reached for it with a quick easing of the heaviness in her chest. Archer, hey, Glenn. Cindy Ames's soft voice was instantly recognizable. Cindy was the head night nurse in the ER, and she and Glenn had spent many hours working together over the last three years. I'm really sorry to wake you up. No problem, I was awake. Cindy laughed briefly. If you were, I hope you're doing something fun. But I'm in a jam, and I know you're not on call for surgery anymore, but that doesn't matter. Phone to her ear, Glenn slid naked from beneath the sheet and pulled scrub pants from the neat pile she'd left on the straight-backed wooden chair next to her bed. She'd planned to wear them her first day on the job as director of the physician assistant program in the morning. What's going on? Flan's in the OR with Pete doing a blocked AV shunt, and I can't reach Dr. Williams. He's back up for surgery tonight. I've got a lady here whose foot looks really bad. I'd wait for Flan, but I'll come over and take a look. Be there in 10 minutes. Did you get x-rays? Yeah, I did, and something is weird. Okay, you know what to do until I get there. You're a savior, Cindy said. Yeah, Glenn said flatly as Cindy rang off. A savior. Nothing could be further from the truth. For an instant, the tally of the dead rolled through her mind, along with the memory of acid smoke and the copper taste of blood and fear in her throat. Too many to count. Too many without names but the faces never faded even though she'd taught herself not to let them haunt her, just as she'd taught herself not to dream. But some things could never be erased, not when they were tattooed into your bone and chiseled onto your soul. The dead were as much a part of her as her beating heart. But not tonight. Tonight she tended the living. She scooped up her keys, wallet, and phone and let the screen door click shut behind her on her way out. She didn't bother to lock up, There wasn't anything inside worth stealing. Her footsteps on the wooden staircase spiraling down the back of the building to the parking lot followed her like so many ghosts. Her ragtop wrangler was the only vehicle in the tiny lot behind the consignment shop and its neighbors on either side, the pizza place and an antique store. Ordinarily, she'd walk the mile up the hill to the rivers where it looked down over the town and the valley like a conscience, reminding everyone that life was fleeting and fickle. But Cindy was an experienced nurse, and if something about this patient bothered her enough to call for help rather than wait the hour or two for Flan or the PA to be available, then she might not have the luxury of the 15-minute walk. Instead, she was pulling around to the staff lot in less than five.
The ER would be empty at this time of night, unless somewhere on a nearby highway a thrill-riding teenager had misjudged a curve, or a farmer had another case of indigestion that wouldn't let him breathe, or a baby decided to exit the comfort and safety of the womb. But the only vehicles in the lot adjacent to the emergency entrance were those of the staff and an idling sheriff's patrol car, whose occupant was probably inside scoring a cup of almost fresh coffee. When she pushed through the big double doors into the wide, tiled corridor leading past reception, the bright lights shocked every sense sharply online. Her head cleared of memories and misgivings, and her vision snapped into crystal focus. Somewhere around the corner, an elevator door clanked open, a power floor polisher whirred, and someone laughed. In the empty waiting area, a weather map scrolled across the TV screen, tracking tornadoes in a part of the country she'd never visited and doubted she'd ever see.